Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Shit Talking Podcast. I'm Christina Previtt. And I'm Robin Ross. We are we allowed to see shit? I don't know. Whatever. Let's go. Hey, everybody. You are watching the Shit Talking Podcast. I'm your co-host, Christina. And I am Robin. And we have a special guest with us today, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. She's a psychology professor turned self-help author turned podcast host. (laughs) She's the author of Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Until It's Right, host of the Love and Life podcast. And I'm sure you're going to want to check her out. You can find her at the loveandlifemedia.com. We'll put a link in the comments so that you can find her and you can check out all of her social media channels. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for the invitation. It's a real pleasure. And this is a perfect topic for you. We're going to be talking about whether there is a script for life. Mm -hmm. And this has been a recurring theme in our conversations where we talk about generally you know, is there a script like self-explanatory? You, you know, I think the usual script is you go to college and, or depending, you know, what kind of your background is, maybe you graduate high school, you get a job, you get married at some point, you have children, you, you know, you buy the house together. Like there's a script, you know? And I think sometimes the difficulty comes when either you are living that life and you're really unhappy with it. And you look back later, like, what? why the hell did I do this? And you can't figure out how to extricate yourself from it. <laughs> right. Or if you're someone, and I think Robin and I are those people, where you didn't really follow the script and you're kind of living things your own way. And I think there's a lot of us out there doing that. And you kind of get, you know, these cross-eyed looks from people like, what do you mean you're not married? What do you mean you're, you don't have kids? So, or, or not even what do you mean, but I think there's an assumption that because of that, I am unhappy or unfulfilled. So it's kind yeah. of like, well, you're not married. And it's almost like a look of pity. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, you poor oh yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. Whereas like, you're kind of like, no, it's, it's good. That's fine. So I think that Christina and I talk a lot about this script that we're supposed to follow And I think that sometimes it ends up getting people into some trouble, just like what Christina said, that you follow the script you think you're supposed to have. I'm supposed to get married, supposed to have the 2.5 kids and the dog and the picket fence, whether you have dog allergies or not, have the damn dog, like that you're supposed to do. (laughs) And then you're living this life that you think is what you're supposed to do. And you don't really want that. So I think when I was kind of reading the premise of your book and um, I was hoping being the self-achiever that I am, that I would have finished your book by the time I spoke to you, <laughs> but I finished the preface to your book. So, <laughs> hey, so there we go. Right. Baby steps. Right. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I finished some of it, but I kind of like the idea of it, of, you know, you experienced that yourself. So kind of like what brought you to writing that book even? Yeah, well, the topic of a life script, I think is very relevant Every woman has been impacted by it to some degree, whether mm-hmm. like you're saying, whether they've wo- awakened after 20 years of a life that they are in, but don't know if really belongs to them sincerely mm-hmm. or is really them is a real reflection of their authentic self or whether there's someone who is, quote unquote, bucking the system and playing by their own rules, which is wonderful. But then, like you guys said, they still get these comments here and there. And I work with a lot of women who feel a lot of pressure because of this script and no one really has it clearly defined, but it's very concrete, really the pressure of it. I mean, I personally almost married the wrong person for that reason. Why was was he wrong? Let's, let's should talk about him. Why was he so wrong? (laughs) (laughs) He was wrong for me. I can't, I can't really give you a psychologist answer. (laughs) Yeah. Not wrong. It's wrong for you. I got it. Tell us what happened though. I mean, without, we don't want you to badmouth him, but yeah. Oh, I do. 
idea. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. really, Robin, honestly, it really confirms what you're what we're talking about. Because it yeah. wasn't that there was anything wrong with him. It's just that I was so determined. I'm 34. It's time. Yeah. Biological clock is ticking. I want children. I want the white picket fence. And because he was so quality, which I'm sorry, it makes it a less interesting story. But actually, yeah. no, let's sit, let's look at it this way. If he'd been abusive or an addict, that would have been an easier call, right? It would have been yeah. easier for me to go, oh, I, I'm clearly trying to make this work because I want this life based on this script. But because he was a stand-up guy with all these credentials and and driven and motivated and successful and would have been a wonderful partner and 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 father, that made it harder to step away because down deep it just wasn't that that soul connection, that romantic chemistry that is the whole point after all. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think Kim Kardashian really needed to talk to you before she married that <laughs> other guy. I forgot his name guy. now. Nobody remembers him, but they were only married 72 days. Chris Humphreys. Yes. Yep. That's it was one. a beautiful wedding. <laughs> I didn't watch it, but yeah, but I but I think that's something that a lot of women can relate to is being in that situation where they're they've planned this ridiculous wedding. Everyone has spent a lot of money. They've got all you know, five million people coming to the wedding, mm -hmm. and they're starting to feel like you know, maybe this isn't really the right decision for me, but there's so much pressure and so many eyes on them mm -hmm. that I think it, a lot of people will just say, nah, it must just be, you know, nerves. Mm -hmm. And they go through with it. Oh, they do. And my second book is coming out next spring. And that's about calling off my wedding because there's really not a lot of resources. If you go to the bookstore, they'll tell you how to have the perfect wedding with the perfect color scheme and the perfect flowers. But no one's asking you to look within yourself to figure out if you're doing this just because it's the next step in the script or if you're doing this because it really is a soul connection. This is your person. And I, I interviewed a ton of women. You know, I have other runaway brides like myself who I interviewed for the book, but I also interviewed women who were kind of like Kim Kardashian, who were what I call wish I'd runaway brides. And most of them, I will tell you, ladies, most of them say, I knew deep down, my gut was telling me that day that I was doing the wrong thing. But like you said, the chain, uh, the train was down the track and all the money had been spent and grandma flew in from California and there's no way we're stopping this now. We'll figure it out. It'll work itself out in the wedding, in, in the marriage rather. And that never works. It's so funny you say that because Christina and I are both divorce attorneys. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things that we've both said is that so many times I've, I've heard that recurring theme of a client is sitting in my office, they're going through a divorce, the marriage is not working. And they say to me, Robin, I knew, yeah. I, I knew before I walked down the aisle that this wasn't right, but it's because they're following that damn script right. of yeah. like, I need to get married. This is what needs to happen. We've already spent the money. And I think that Age factors in a lot. You said you were 34. So you're kind of mm -hmm. like, I got to do this already. Yeah. So what made you know he wasn't right? Like, was it a gut thing? Was it a... So I'll be honest, I met him on my 30th birthday. I was living in Chicago. My girlfriends and I are down at a club. I meet a guy. A milestone birthday can be another element in, in another variable in this very complex equation, <laughs> right? Where yep. I'm 30 now and many of my friends were already married with a baby or two. And again, it's the comparison game we play, which is really unfortunate. I have a chapter in my book called Stop Comparing Yourself, uh, Stop Keeping Trying to Keep Up with the Jones. And I don't mean the Jones, the family. Now I'm talking about Joan, the female, J-O-A-N here. Yeah. I'm saying we don't have to compare our lives to anyone else's life. Our path is our own, but it takes some time for us to own that and feel comfortable in that. And at 30, I wasn't yet. And I met this guy. And from the beginning, he was, like I said, a great guy. But I didn't have that initial spark or that initial attraction. But I thought, you know, you start doubting yourself. You go, well, I'm 30 and all the other guys I've dated, that hasn't worked out. So maybe I'm doing something wrong. So now I got to switch it up and give the nice guy a chance. And maybe the the Zaza Zoo, as Carrie Bradshaw calls it, or the, the butterflies, this chemistry that I'm hoping for. Maybe that's just puppy love. Maybe you get that in middle school and you don't get that again. So there was a lot of self-doubt that I fell prey to as well. You know what I see happen a lot here too with the with this theme of what we're talking about is that how often are we putting everyone else before us? Mm -hmm. 
So it, you've planned the wedding. You really have decided you prefer not to go through with it. But, you know, grandma's already booked her ticket. Right. Aren't we really putting everybody else and their feelings and their opinions before our own best interests? And Yeah. And I think the theme for another show, actually. Yeah, no, that but Mm -hmm. but it's related. I have a chapter in my book also about moms because a lot of single women in particular, they feel that pressure from their mom because she wants grandchildren. And even though your brother has six kids, it doesn't count. She she wants this. She has her own script for your life. So you're right. It's not just a societal thing. It's also personal. It can be from the family. The pressure is really profound. And and when I was after I called off my wedding, then I'm back on the dating scene. I'm 34 now, living in Chicago, uh, hitting you know, back out there. Yep. <laughs> and and going to the bookstore, especially because I'm a psychologist, I want to see the self-help literature. I think, okay, what, again, am I doing something wrong? Do I need to evaluate things? But most of the messages in the bookstore are very disparaging. So getting to your point too, Christina, it's very much like, yeah, you're fundamentally flawed. So it's not only that you're not allowed to live on life on your own terms, because there's something wrong with you. Instead of saying, embracing that and saying, hey, you're strong to to live life on your own terms. You're strong to put up with and and to fight against the single shaming. Those messages are not available in the self-help literature. Usually it's someone who's like, uh, follow my five-point plan and Mr. Wright will show up. And it it usually involves changing your core self to some degree. Mm -hmm. And I took issue with all of that. So that's why I wrote my own book. (laughs) There is a a, a place... um in your book, the the preface that I read, um, <laughs> that you talk about, you know, one of the questions you get is, you know, aren't some people out there, maybe they do need to change? Like, mm-hmm. how do you address those people that, and, and we're working under the assumption that this scripted life that we're calling it, like the marriage and the kids, that they truly want that. If right, that's right. Something that they truly want then aren't there some people out there that maybe are a little crazy? I mean, I the book doesn't advocate that we should all just resign ourselves to being whatever kind of, uh, whatever things that we're struggling with or whatever issues we have that take me as, as I am and, and forget it. Mm-hmm. It's about being the best version of you, but also that entails recognizing that you can't try to be a different person than you are. Yes, be the best version. And yeah, if you have some issues, go see a therapist. I'm a psychologist for goodness sake. I absolutely advocate for that. But the notion that somehow a 38-year-old woman who's got the scripted life just so perfect with the two kids and and the the fancy house and the fancy job and the fancy husband with his fancy job, that she somehow is less psychologically or, or more, more psychologically healthy and more emotionally uh, well off compared to a 38-year-old single woman. That's just a joke. That 38-year-old married woman with the perfect, seemingly perfect life could be like hopped up on Xanax every day because she is so out of control, right? And so her emotional state is so not okay. But we don't look at it that way because she has what society deems as normal. And since she has that, no one looks at her sideways. No one gives her the questions that you guys have to field and that other single women who have taken a different path have to field. Mm. That's right. I can totally relate to that because I'm 45 and single, never married, no kids, but I've been with my boyfriend for almost 11 years. And a lot of times I'll get, you know, sort of the eyebrow raise, you know, the look like "Mm, he hasn't proposed to you yet, you know, and, and all kinds of assumptions are made based upon that, you know, like ridiculous things like, oh, he doesn't really love you, or there must be something wrong with you. Or, you know, this isn't going to last because he would have proposed by now. And, you know, I don't feel the need to explain myself. But I don't like being in a position where I then feel like I have to defend him. Right. I'll be yeah. like, oh, but I swear he's really not an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um. It just seems so strange to me that I even have to deal with that when we live in a world now where there's so many different kinds of families, right? You know, we've got same-sex couples. We've got couples that never get married and have children or 
moms, I've interviewed someone before who went to a sperm bank and she wanted to have kids. She wasn't meeting Mr. Right. And she was like, I'm just going to do it on my own. So families just look different now. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that we still have to deal with these kinds of pressures as women. And, you know, do men get the same pressure? Like, look at George Clooney. Everybody thought he was living the life. Right. I mean, they didn't say there was something wrong with him because I don't even know how old he was when he finally got married, but he was just a confirmed bachelor. Well, look at our language. Our language doesn't even have a word that's disparaging for a guy. He's a, he's yeah, he can't be tied down. He's just living the bachelor life. But if you're over a certain age and you're single as a woman, you're a spinster, you're an old maid, you're all dried up and nobody wants you. I mean, so our language reflects clearly what we think. Men are absolutely fine if they're just, you know, they're just out there living their life, just can't be tied down. Another example, Jennifer Aniston, you know, she had a bunch of boyfriends after Brad, after the divorce. And the sentiment was in the press was, oh, poor Jennifer, you know, she can't hang on to a guy. Mm-hmm. Her relationships don't work. Nobody wants her. But if George Clooney was doing that, oh, he's such a stud. He mm-hmm. goes through women like, you know, most of us go through underwear. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just really interesting to me and really kind of pisses me off that <laughs> a man and a woman can do the exact same thing, but it's perceived so differently. I like how you use the word interesting when really it's <laughs> interesting, but really just pisses you off. But like where, I don't know if when you were writing this book and talking to all these women, did you like go back and figure out where the hell did the script even come from? Like where did all this pressure on women even come from? Because I would bet, you know, Christina kind of told, you know, her, her story, I'm about to be 40. So I'm about to have a milestone birthday. So hopefully I don't make any bad decisions. As a result. <laughs> but, um, and I've been with my boyfriend almost seven years and I feel like I get questions like what's going on when you get married, mm-hmm. what, what's, what's the deal? Like, mm-hmm. why are you not married? Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like he gets those questions. Like, I don't feel like anybody goes to him and they're like, dude, what are you doing? But why are you not married yet? And maybe he does. And he just doesn't like talk to me about them because it's like, well, whatever. But but where did that script even come from that we felt for some reason have to follow? I think it's a relic from when women were completely dependent on men when we I mean, a woman who didn't have a husband 100 years ago was at financial risk. She wasn't going to have the same life. And I think it's a, a relic that remains even though now we are told, hey, you know, do whatever you want, baby. You can, it, you know, have it. What's that old? What was an old? Um, You've come a long way, baby, or something like that. Right. So and there's been a women's movement. And supposedly we have all the options that that men do. But yet we are still valued in society's eyes as being validated and our worth is assessed based on who we are with, our relationships, starting with a boyfriend. And then what does he do, right? Because if he's got a high-powered career, that that's a little more status for us, right? And then a mm-hmm. husband and then kids, right? So what's your kid do? Oh, is your kid the captain of the football team? Is he the quarterback, right? What's your daughter? Oh, she, oh she's a cheerleader. She's head cheerleader. So women are assessed and evaluated based on their relationships. And men are assessed and evaluated based on their earning potential, their status and their career, what kind of car they're driving. So I think that's where it's coming from. Hmm. It's so true. But, and, you know, I want to hear from both of you on this. Do you think that there's a movement afoot sort of by accident to put a lot of pressure on women these days because so many of us are career driven and professionals and educated? Do you think there's pressure on us now to have all those things, to be everything, to have the fancy car, the big house, the big job, and, you know, single-handedly be running the house and the kids always look perfect and blah, blah, blah. What do you think (laughs) about that? Yeah, I mean, I I think you definitely see that. There's a a body of research in psych now that's Facebook depression, and they talk about how people are posting what they call the highlight reel of their lives, which is exactly what you were talking about, Christina, right? It looks so perfect on social media in their perfect kitchen. They're baking everything from scratch. They're going to Pinterest everything. The kid's birthday party is like an extravaganza. And these women behind the scenes, it, it, it's, it's smoke and mirrors, of course. I do think there's pressure on women to have even more status in all these realms because mm-hmm. of what you're saying. So in a way, this uh, all these opportunities to be able to have it all in all these different domains, 
perhaps is putting more pressure on us. Yeah. yeah. You know what I see a lot of too, and, and Robin, maybe you see this in your practice, but there'll be somebody who comes in for a divorce. They've been married a long time, maybe like anywhere from 10 to 30 years. And there's just this feeling that, you know, I made all these decisions so long ago. I, you know, did what I was supposed to do, right? I followed yeah. the script. I went to college, got a nice degree, got a good job found a nice woman or a nice man, got married, bought a house. I have kids. I have a dog and whatever. Everything looks great, but I'm not happy. You know, I, I look around at everything I have and all I see are obligations and responsibilities that I don't really want anymore. And I'm starting to wonder why did I want that? Like, why did I get myself into this? Was it because I really wanted it? And I think a lot of people feel stuck and they don't know how to get out of it because, you know, you can give up a house. You can't really give up your kids. You know, you, you know, they're your kids. You can. It's frowned upon, I think. Like, I think it's kind of frowned upon. I mean, you probably could just like walk away and be like, I'm done. But um, and, yeah, you know, it's, not not. Like, it's not like having a job where you can say, eh, you know, I really thought that I was going to like this, but I don't. So I'm going to look around. I'll find something else. I mean, when you've got all this heaped on you, how do you dig yourself out of that? And I hate to sound so negative, but I see this with people. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, maybe my thought is there, could it be that it's possible that there is a change? Like maybe 20 years ago, you did want this. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't know if, you know, it's fair to say that some of the people that do follow this script are doing so only because of societal pressure. There are certainly people, I think, that really, really want to be married and really want to have kids. And part of it could be because of what they think that's going to look like, mm -hmm. you know, because of the picture of it. Of, oh, it's going to be perfect. And marriage is so much fun. And kids are just delightful, you know, and, and they think these things and then they get into it and they realize, you know, this is all right, but it kind of sucks, you know, or, or maybe it didn't suck the whole time, but maybe years later, you kind of look back and be like, that was great when I was in my thirties to just, you know, be nothing but a wife and a mother or to be nothing but a husband and a father. But now that I'm in my forties or my fifties, you know, I want to do something else. There aren't too many things I think that you can't get out of, you know, you can always get out of a job or a profession or a marriage. You can move, you know, there's, there's not too much that's not reversible, but there are two things I can think of. One, death. Second, kids. <laughs> Once you fathered or mothered a child, right. it's yours. I mean, you know, you, those are your kids. And I think most people don't want to abandon their kids, but kids. Hey, I don't, I don't, I don't hear too much of that either. I'm just no, thinking I mean, it happens, but I mean, as divorce attorneys, though, you're seeing more custody battles to keep the kids and get more time with the kids. Yes. Yeah. You know, but there have been a few where I saw people actually arguing about like typically the mom, but not always the husband needs to take the children more because yeah. yep. I need a break. Mm -hmm. I cannot have childcare responsibilities a hundred percent of the time. Mm -hmm. And I totally understand that. It it's a mm -hmm. big job, especially if you have a lot of other responsibilities too. So I see people kind of struggle with, you know, this is the life that I chose, but mm -hmm. it's not so great anymore. It's not as great as I thought it was going to be. Flip and Russell commented and said, this is the princess syndrome. I don't know what the princess syndrome is. I don't know what that is. is either. What is the princess syndrome? I don't know. You need to start typing, Flip. What it is that? Yeah, Flip, what is the princess syndrome? If I had to guess, I, I hope that he's not suggesting that we're all just, you know, want what we want when we want it. And we have to, you know, everything has to be perfect. Knowing one Flip Russell, that is not what he's suggesting. Okay. So that's why I'm very curious because I've never, I've never heard of that one. But, um, you know, I, if I had to guess, maybe it's, and I feel like Karen is sitting here going, I know what it is if you would just let me talk. No, no. 
<laughs> You're so funny. I was still caught up in the princess syndrome because I hadn't heard that. So I was, I was, uh, yeah, curious. Uh, I hope you're typing. You need to type what this and I kind of, I kind of think that maybe it is. And I, I feel like he's going to type this in and we're all wrong. But, you know, maybe it's just like that idea of like a fairy tale, like Cinderella, yeah. like yeah. there's oh. going to be a prince that's going to come save me. And I get my castle mm -hmm. and I have my slipper and I go to the ball. And, you know, it's very, I feel like we need to have one episode where I don't reference sex in the city, but here we go. So it's like, you know, the episode in the movie, or so it's not really the episode when, you know, Carrie's reading the book to Charlotte's daughter. Can't remember her name. Um, Rose. No, Lily. Lily. Okay. I was like, it's a flower. Um, the baby was Rose. But anyway, so she's reading the book of Cinderella and like she finally says, oh, read it again. And she goes up, oh, another one bites the dust. You right, know, she's right. trying to say to her, this is not real life. Like you realize this is a fairy tale. It doesn't happen this way. Yeah. And I think we kind of get like wrapped yeah. up in mm -hmm. it's supposed to happen that way where we get swept up and everything is perfect and life is perfect. And I never have to pick up your socks from the side of the hamper. That just never happens because life is perfect. You, you know, know what? I'm going to admit, though, that I have moments where I'll just fantasize, like, wouldn't it be so nice if somebody else would just take care of everything? <laughs> like, I know it's not going to happen. I'm not waiting for it. But it would be so nice, wouldn't it? To just have someone I'm... else taking care of everything. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh, see, he here. He's explained it all. All right. You want to <laughs> read it, Robin? I didn't bring my glasses, so let's okay. let me let me like let me cozy up here. It, I, I can read it. It can says you? we'll just put it on the screen too. Oh, there we it's go. The system of patriarchy that indoctrinates very young girls that they need to rely on a man for their happiness and success, and that without without the the fairy ta fairy tale relationship, they can't be fulfilled. Oh, yeah. yeah, that makes that's sense. my learned, that's my learned cousin. And that's why I said, I'm <laughs> sure that he's going to tell us exactly what this means. You know what? I, I do think that girls are brought up that way. Yeah. You know, even if it's not your parents teaching you that you see it in fairy tales, you see it in movies. In, Every rom-com you watch, like that's what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you do see mm -hmm. that. And even but if the, you're an independent woman, you know, you still want men to be at a certain level. Well, I think that's what's dicey about this conversation is that the script is out there. We've established it's it, there's a societal expectation, there's family pressure, but there's also that internal desire. Most people want their person. And you ladies are not married, but you've had your person for a long time. You have a life partner. And so maybe you're like, I don't need the the wedding and the, and the party and everything to validate my relationship. And you certainly don't. But it doesn't mean that you don't enjoy that connection and that romantic yeah. love. So there, that's what I think it's hard to tease out because it, you go, how much of this is me, what I really want, and how much of this is just the script that I think I have to toe the the expected line of my life? And that's where it gets confusing. And I, I would submit, and I think it would be great, and I have not come across any research on this, but I think it would be fantastic because I think that if people are able to, even if their life looks perfect, scripted, Mm -hmm. But the decisions have been theirs. They have truly owned each step of the way. I don't think they wake up at 55 and go, what is this life? Whose life is this? I mm. think it's when they have made those decisions and convinced themselves, as I almost did, convinced themselves that this is the right choice. This is what I want. But they've been lying to themselves at some level. I really, that's what I think is happening. And again, it's hard to suss out because yes, I wanted to get married at 34, but I didn't want to marry him. Mm. So those those two, and again, like I said, it was a, a good guy who was a good person. So it makes it hard. So I think that's where people struggle. So like you're saying, Christina, that that desire to figure out what is me? Who am I really? What are my desires and dreams? And and what do I need to do to make sure that my every step along the way of my life is my own? And that's hard with all the pressures we've been speaking to. Yeah, it so is. I have a question. Have you come across anybody who is just truly happily single, especially yes. women? Because I think that, you know, there's this perception that, you know, even when we say, you know, Christina and I say we're single, but we're, we're just single according to right. the government, to be clear. Right. Like, you right. know, we're neither of us are actually single, but we're, we're not married. 
But there are some people that are just like, look, I don't need that romantic partner. Like I'm good. I'm mm -hmm. fine. And I think a lot of times when you encounter that person, because I will say that even when I speak with someone and they say, are you married? And I say, I'm not married. And they go, well, do you have a boyfriend? And I go, yeah, well, I, I do have a long-term boyfriend. It's almost like relief. It's like, oh, oh yeah. All right. Now you're figured out now. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're normal. You're, there's not something wrong with you. But I think if I said, no, I do not have a boyfriend, nor do I need one. You don't need to hook mm -hmm. me up one. I don't want a blind date. I'm fine. That it's almost like that's a mental disorder. Like people look at you yeah. like, <laughs> oh yeah. Like, what is yeah. There's a psychologist called Bella DePaulo and she's studied this for her entire career. She calls it singleism, just one more ism because no one can make sense that this doesn't make sense. It's one thing to be a single woman at a certain age who still desires that partnership. But if you're like, I'm fine, I actually prefer the solo life People do not know what to do with you. I agree with you, Robin. Yeah. They assume that you're lonely. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. A lot of assumptions. Or that you're too weird and you're quirky and that's why you don't want to be in partnership. Oh, there's all all the single shaming stuff comes to play there. Well, I have a lot of single girlfriends who are, you know, in their mid to late 30s or even in their 40s. And that's the thing that we actually spend too much time talking about is, right. is there's this sentiment that, well, if you're 40 and you've never been married, there might be something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So what's wrong with you? And we actually do it to the guys too. We'll talk about who they're dating and we'll think, oh God, he's 45 and he's never mm -hmm. been married. There might be mm -hmm. something wrong with him. <laughs> but yeah. then he's like, oh, wait a minute. There might be something wrong with me too. <laughs> I try not to think like that because I was that person who was, I didn't get married until I was 42. So when my husband met me at 40, I mean, obviously on the first date, he didn't say something like, well, what's wrong with you? Because we wouldn't be married now. But, you know, he's admitted, you know, years later, like, yeah, I was like, wait a minute. She seems nice. She seems attractive enough. She seems smart enough. She seems fun enough. We, our, our brains are, are designed we're very efficient with our cognitive processing. We don't like things that don't make sense. Yeah, so we project right. meaning onto a, a nebulous or some some sort of something in our environment that we cannot reason through. We go, okay, you're single, but you seem perfectly normal. Those things can't be coexist. Right. So there must be something wrong with you. Well, I'd like to see people start letting their minds instead of going immediately going right. to that. It's like, oh God, what's wrong with this person? Right. Go to something else more positive, like, wow, you know, this is really a person who likes himself or herself and feels comfortable with the life that they've created for themselves and so much so that they didn't need to attach themselves to someone else if it wasn't a good fit. Right. Well, what That's about my platform? The, what about the kid narrative? I feel like I get the kid narrative a lot because... I'm about to be 40. I don't have any children and I don't necessarily desire them. Like, look, if I got knocked up right now, fine. I'm, I'm having a kid like such as that. <laughs> right. But, but it's not <laughs> one of those things where like, I felt like that biological clock, like Marissa Tomei, like I was not like, I, <laughs> it, just, it did not happen for me. Yeah. And I feel like I've gotten so many comments of like, well, what happens when you change your mind? Then you're going to be right. like 50 and you've changed your mind and now you don't have kids. Or, you know, it, it just seems so abnormal mm -hmm. for a woman to say like, I don't really care much about having kids. And what I also think is very interesting about that psychologically is that people assume because I don't have that desire for kids that I don't like kids. So right. then they go like, yeah. oh, well, yeah. I, I can't have my kids around you. You don't even like kids. And I go like, when did I say I don't like kids? Like, when did I ever say that? Like, <laughs> well, just I think they're just lying, you know, that, yeah. oh, you know, like in my case, they might just assume, oh, she just, she's just saying that because her boyfriend doesn't want kids. Mm -hmm. it's like, mm -hmm. no, I'm mm -hmm. good. <laughs> I'm 45. Yeah. I'm trying to make my life easier at this point, not harder. <laughs> so, but, and I, I got to tell you this story because it's so funny and it just stuck with me. It was so many years ago, but I was getting a pedicure on Mother's Day. And this woman who was giving me the pedicure, she started asking me, well, what are you doing for Mother's Day? And, and she was a young, she was young. She was in her 20s, but she had children. 
And she was looked at me and she's like, do you have kids? What are you doing for Mother's Day? And I just said, no, I don't have any kids. And you should have seen the look on her face. It was like, oh, what? Yeah. Like, literally, I swear. It went just like that. What? You don't have any kids? And she couldn't believe it. And yeah. horrified. Right. I, like, I just horrified. was like, wow. <laughs> like, calm down, girl. We're It's all good. We're okay. But it was just amazing to me. I, I really chuckled to myself that it's it's incredible that she th is thinking that way, that poor me, because I didn't right. have kids. Well, her script was really rigid, right? So I think yeah. there's a little bit of variability. Some people's script is, is a little more fluid and has some room for people to have different ways of going about life and other people, absolutely not. I mean, she just couldn't fathom that. Like you yeah. have to be, you have to be a mother, you're over 30 or whatever was her, whatever kind of timeline was so rigid for her that she could, she projected that onto you and really couldn't understand another life that was different from that. I wonder, I oh, go ahead. I have to stand on my soapbox just for like two seconds. I really get offended, not for myself, but I get very, very offended when people pry into the kid issue. I think more so than the marriage issue, mm -hmm. because there are so many people out there who want nothing more than to have a child and don't. Yeah. And you don't know what someone is struggling through. You don't know if yeah. they're having medical issues. You don't know if that person is infertile or they've been, you know, taking shots to try to have a child right, right. in vitro process for years or have right. lost children. And then you come and say that shit. Like, who are you? I, yeah. I just I just think it's so offensive because you don't you you don't know somebody's story. And I'm not saying that I'm offended because it's my story. Like I don't want yeah. because I've never tried to have kids. But I know a lot of people who have really struggled with trying to have kids and it is heartbreaking for them yeah. that they don't. So for someone to judge you and go like, well, what are you waiting for? Well, you don't know what I'm waiting for. Like, why are why are we even having this conversation, stranger on the bus? Like you right. know me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why are we doing this? Yeah. Um, I love that, Robin, because I do speak with these women so often who they get those questions and they're so invasive and you do not know where people are, especially that it's a very tender topic for women. And I really, I, when I speak to this, because in my community on Instagram, many of the women are late thirties, early forties, and they do want children. And this is now a biological reality of how many eggs we have. And it's a very, very tough topic. So I did a post at one point where I talked about all these, all these questions that women get. And just basically it was like a chart. And the one side was like five questions that women get from the boyfriend to the husband, to the kids. And, mm -hmm. and then on the other side, the chart was just, these are none of your business. Right. <laughs> Please stop asking women, like any of them, just shut up about it. Ask about anything else. Let's talk about the Kardashians. Yes. I mean, yeah. Right. Like, how did your pedicure lady know that yeah. that wasn't a horrible right. topic for you? And you were going out to get a pedicure to make yourself feel good right. on Mother's yeah. Day because you don't have kids. And I mean, if I were a better actress, if I were you, I would have just bursted out into tears. I didn't want to get into a conversation where I you know, had to explain myself in any fashion. You know, I don't have to explain myself to anybody in this world. I don't owe anybody anything. My, my big saying is, I'm sorry, do you, do you pay my bills? Did you right. know what I didn't know about? I think I pay my bills. So that means I get to do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. So, but you're strong, Christina. I find myself, and this is because of just conventional way of, of, operating in society. When someone asks me a question and it's invasive, I still have to just stop myself. I have to go, wait, that's not their business. I don't owe them an answer. Because in general, when people ask you a question, you provide an answer. That's kind of the common way of being. Right. So I have to, and I encourage people in my community, take a beat and then decide what you want to say. And it may be, um, you know, that's something I don't care to discuss and then move, just ch change this conversation, change the topic. But it's hard because I think in general we go, oh, uh, 
someone's asking me, it's like a teacher in school. What's the answer? You go, oh, okay, I got an answer, right? I mean, right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we're trained. I, I've read this in, in different places that you're trained, your your brain is kind of programmed to answer a question. Yeah. yeah. And to give a positive response. So if someone says, mm. oh, do you like my new hairdo? You know, mm. you, you're trained to answer and you're trained to give them the answer that they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... I find that this doesn't happen to me as much anymore. I think maybe by the time you get to be around my age, I think we've, most of us have been schooled not to ask certain questions like, when are you getting married? Although I right. think people feel more comfortable asking that one, but definitely how come, you know, how come you're not having had kids or when are you going to have kids? Or if you already have one, like, so are you guys going to have another Mm -hmm. um, you know, that sort of thing. I don't, unless you really know the person very well. Right. Well, um, and that's the point, like, it's kind of, at some point you're like, oh, I'm sorry, like, were we besties? And I didn't yeah. know like, why, like, why are we having this conversation right now? And, and I do think, you know, again, going to the comments to flip's point about that a woman's life is only worth living if, if they've had children, I feel like I get that vibe so much. Like people will say you will just, like, how are you fulfilled? Like what mm -hmm. I don't understand. And, and it's, it's so funny. I didn't do this because I thought it would be kind of bitchy to do it. But when everybody was like posting for like, um, happy Sun's day and happy daughters, oh, yeah. and they're posting their pictures on Facebook. And I was just going to take like a picture of my shoe closet and be like, happy. Here's what I do with my disposable income. Cause I don't have kids day. <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, and, right. and I think it's wonderful to celebrate having children, but I also think it's kind of crappy to put down people who don't and to make it like, well, your life has no meaning now because you don't have kids, you know? Yeah, uh, I think yeah. sometimes, and from, in family systems therapy, we talk about just the roles and the relationship in, in a family. And I think sometimes going back to our, our, our theme, if a woman has married a person because she really wanted to be a mommy so badly, she may be very, very close with her kids and not that close with her husband. This may be overcompensating, again, yeah. to make it look so good on social media. Here's my kids. I'm so obsessed with my kids. And yeah, you haven't had sex with your husband for three years, but okay, fine. I mean, so again, that could be something else. People project onto us. I mean, I had a dental hygienist. It was my first time at this dentist's office. And, you know, I, she's in my mouth. I can barely talk. And they ask me questions. I'm like, I cannot talk anyway. And she asked me about kids. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I don't. And she's like, oh, you never want a kid? I'm like, seriously? You're in, like, oh, my gosh. You just, you met me 30 seconds ago. I this hope is... you spit water at her. <laughs> I know. I like, oh, sorry. I was trying to talk, but I spit water in your face. Without you know, like, it... well, there's so many examples of invasive questions. Yes. I have actually a really funny story that I can't believe I'm going to admit. On, oh, on this let me grab my wine for this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I had my eyelids done, my mm -hmm. upper eyelids done. And it was a simple procedure, but I had bandages, like just nothing big. Like, like, you know, when you get a nose job, I've never had a nose job, but you know, you have this bandage like across your face. It wasn't like that, but you could see that there was something done to my eyelids. So I just wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to go get a pedicure, different place. So I go, I feel like I was about to say, you need to pick a new pedicure. I, know, I don't know why this all happens when I'm in the chair. Getting a pedicure. So there's this lady who's very nice, but she's kind of nosy. Like she's really, you know, forward. And she keeps asking me like, oh, what happened? And, you know, I don't remember her exact words, but she's trying to find out, you know, what, what the heck happened to your eyes. And I really just didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to tell her that I had just had a cosmetic treatment. And I just kept saying, repeating myself. I just kept saying the same thing. Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> I'm fine. Thank you. And she finally got the hint, like after the third time that I was not going to tell her why I had bandages on my eyes. So maybe she's watching and she just got her explanation. Well, in her defense, maybe she thought that you were in crisis. Like maybe she thought that you were in a domestic violence situation and like maybe you needed help. But, you know, even as, as people, 
you know, I'm sure that you see this in, in your, your practice, Karen, dealing with people who are domestic violence, you know, survivors as do Christina and I, um, but even with, if that's the case, if you are in a domestic violence situation, it's not my job to force you to tell me that. Like, that's mm -hmm. still your choice to say, yeah. you know, yeah. yes, like it's it's one thing to put it out there to say, hey, if there's anything that you need to talk about, I'm here and I'm willing to listen to you. But another thing to keep like poking the, like, wait, but what's going on? Why do you have the bandage? Yeah. What, what, the bandage? What's going on with the bandage? And maybe I don't want to tell you I had my eyelids done, or maybe I don't want to tell you I'm in a domestic violence situation. I think what we've gleaned from this whole show is everybody just needs to mind their damn business. Yeah, mm -hmm. mind your damn business. Maybe <laughs> I just like to wear tape on my eyelids. Maybe. Maybe that's your jam, you know? Well, Karen, how do we get out of this script? Like, we know what it is, but how do we, how do we talk ourselves out of this? Like, how do we release ourselves from the script prison? Yeah, I do a lot of work with cognitive therapy. So, and these are techniques that I, when I was in school to become a therapist, I learned them to share with clients, but I use them on myself all the time and I share them with my community a lot. So it's all about working through that thought of what does it mean that I don't have kids? Mm -hmm. Well, it clearly means a lot to everyone else, but I don't have to, it doesn't have to mean anything to me, right? It, and it's all about just looking at those emotions that you have and then what is the thought behind it? And then what's the belief? So for, for some people, the belief is, as we've established, if you don't have kids, then your life is meaningless. Or if you don't have kids, you're a selfish person. So all these beliefs that we have inadvertently and unwittingly internalized, we have to identify them and then dispute them. It's a technique called REBT, Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy. I use it on myself all the time. And you basically do battle with your thoughts. You go, well, that's irrational. I don't mm -hmm. have, my life doesn't have to have, I determine the meaning of my life. I don't, it, I can decide if kids are part of it or not. I can decide all sorts of things that, based on my values. So it's a lot of that internal and introspective work. Mm. And I'm trying to think of some other examples of breaking the script or deviating from the script. And one thing that's coming to mind is when somebody is in a profession for a long time, especially something like lawyering, like, you know, big fancy mm -hmm. lawyer, which I'm using in air quotes because I love to use air quotes. But it's like when somebody leaves a profession like that because they, they're not happy, it doesn't satisfy them. Maybe they're very unhappy practicing law or doing whatever it is that they do. And they just leave to mm -hmm. go off and do something else that's not as fancy, doesn't make as much money, doesn't have as much status. And people are left like, but why? Why yeah. would anybody do that? Why would they leave their fancy lawyer job or their fancy doctor job to go you know, run an ice cream shop or be a writer, a struggling artist, you know, whatever the case may be. Or a stripper, whatever. Or you know, maybe <laughs> it's been your life's dream to be a stripper and that's what you want to do now. Yeah. And it, I mean, do you experience this? Do you know anybody who's done that? Who's had a major career change? Personally? Um, I don't know, but I mean, I think it falls under the same category of what we're talking about. I deal, I deal more with the relationship stuff just because that's what my book's about. Mm -hmm. But yeah, anytime that we deviate from the expectations, there could there's pushback and there's definitely pushback within ourselves if we haven't fully owned our values. And like we were talking about, that's why the work of clarifying your own values is really important. And I'm sure you guys deal with that to an extent too. When people are splitting things up, it's all value based. You know, so one one person wants one thing and yeah. the other one doesn't care. And probably if their values weren't aligned in the first place, that's part of the problem with the marriage as well. But yeah, it's yeah. I think it's always going you know, going your own way and living life on your own terms. It's always going to be a bit of a struggle. But I think it's going to be so rewarding. And it's the kind of thing that I think is a very worthwhile pursuit for your own peace of mind. Yeah. Well put. Can you tell us a little bit about your book that you have coming out in the spring? Yeah, the one this spring is going to tentative title is I don't because I didn't, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's a it's basically a resource for anyone. I the only thing with it, it really it's specifically written right now for women who are engaged. But I think that people can be four years in a relationship 
not talking about you ladies, but I know people mm-hmm. who after four or five years, they stay in it because it's so comfortable and it's so known. And maybe then they do go on ahead and get engaged. So I'm, I'm feeling like I want to save the babies even before they get engaged. And I'm not sure yeah. how to frame the book and give it a title that would just say, hey, let's just examine our relationships. And if it's been a long-term relationship, let's not just do the next step. There's my air quotes. The next step because it's the logical or expected next step. Right. Yeah. That I've often wondered you know, how many people are actually married to whoever they're married to just because they were at a point in their life yeah. where they thought, okay, I guess I'm supposed to get married now. Yeah. And this just happens to be the person that I'm with at this particular so moment. I guess that's yeah. who I'm going to marry. Yep. I I've wondered the same thing. People, a lot of people I think are in that situation. I'm, I'm sure we all have friends that, you know, if we're close friends with them, even that, you know, we look at their marriage and you're kind of like, so this was just like the next guy and now you're married. Okay. Right. All right. Like, right. And, and, just, and it's, it's almost like it's obvious that that was just the person that filled that role at that time that they were ready to get married and yep. he was willing to do so. So now you're married because that's just what you were going to do. Right. You know, I think we've, we've all seen that. Yeah. Um, you got to wave. Christina. My light just went off. That's <laughs> so ridiculous. My light goes off because there's no motion in the Oh, room. right. Yeah. I had to do the opposite. I, I had um, the sunlight coming in and it's starting to get dark here. But no, I, I, I've, I've interviewed people and I had someone say that. He, it was a guy. He said, yeah, we'd been dating for eight years and just seemed like she'd earned it. She wanted it. So, okay. Oh, and my they, God. That's awful. She earned it. Well, and, I get people say, well, you should just give your boyfriend an ultimatum. You should just. Oh, that's sexy. I would love to just strong arm someone to propose. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, you better marry me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sure. Um, not, not my style. Not my style at all. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed this conversation. And me too. I think we could definitely do it again. I would love to have you back on. Well, when thanks. Anytime. Oh, yeah. yeah thank you. Before you hop off, can you just tell everybody where to find you? Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. So it's easiest to contact me. I'm, I'm really active on Instagram, and that's at Dr. Karen. It's D-R dot K-A-R-I-N, which is very important nowadays because everyone hates E-N Karens. I don't know if you yeah. know. Yes. <laughs> so I'm very, <laughs> it's with an I. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where I'm most active. But of course, my website, loveandlifemedia.com. My podcast is called Love and Life with Dr. Karen, and we talk about all kinds of things very much relationship-based, but we get into other things. So there are conversations grounded in psych research to help us thrive in love and life. I'm here on Facebook a little bit. You can head over to Dr. Karen Anderson Abril and then Twitter, Dr. Karen Anderson. But mostly Instagram is where I'm hanging out. Perfect. That's Thank all the you. Cool are. Yeah, that's where, the, that's where the cool table is on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us and thank you everyone for watching or listening to Shit Talking with Christina and Robin. We'll see you every Wednesday right here on Facebook Live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can catch us also the replay wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a good night. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks, ladies. <laughs>